Welcome to a very busy Fights and Football Friday here on Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions has a competition running until January 31st. They need a name for their new mascot and they want your help. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and help name their mascot by commenting on their post. The winning name will win a free residential cleaning. Uh, so we got a lot coming up on the show today. We got NFL Divisional Round and it's UFC 270, so we're going to have a full breakdown of all of that. If you want to get in touch with the show, do so on social media. I'm Primetime Klein on Twitter and Instagram, and we've been on Twitch a lot the last little bit, and we will be for post-fight coverage of this coming up on Saturday night over at twitch.tv slash PK. Let's get into the NFL part of it first, shall we? It is the divisional round after a... yeah. Uh, wild card round in the NFL. It's now time for the divisional round, and we got some bangers coming up this weekend. I am very much looking forward to this. I just realized now I forgot to put the odds up, so let's do that quickly while we talk, shall we? Um, last weekend, uh, I would say a profitable one for us on the, uh, the, the program, able to hit on a couple of them, and that made things a little bit easier to deal with throughout the week, which was nice. So let's get into the NFL breakdown, shall we? It is first the Tennessee Titans taking on the Cincinnati Bengals uh, at the time that we were recording this. The Titans are favored by three and a half points. And that, my friends, is just disrespectful to the Tennessee Titans. It's like everyone who is talking about the defense is only focusing on the first part of the year. And everyone who's writing off this offense wasn't paying attention to the first part of the year. It, it's so, everyone just is falling over themselves to try to pick Cincinnati in this game that they are very conveniently leaving out how improved Tennessee has been throughout the season, and now they're getting Derrick Henry back. And look, Derrick Henry may not be that dude in the postseason. Who knows what he's going to look like coming back from that injury. But even just the theory of Derrick Henry makes this offense that much more terrifying. They're going to be able to utilize play action with Ryan, which Ryan Tannehill does to perfection on um, a lot of, a lot of times that they use it. It, it. It's just, it's perfect really. So this offense I think is going to be much improved with Derrick Henry in there. And this defense has got a lot better. The, the Raiders were able to cause a lot of problems for the Cincinnati Bengals in the pass rush. And the Titans pass rush is a whole lot better than what Vegas had going on. So I, I think I, I just, I really, I mean, I, I do see a way that Tennessee loses this game. It's Jamar Chase goes absolutely nuts and nuts. And Joe Burrow is a magician again. So like that, that definitely can happen, but I, I just think Tennessee is just the better football team. They are at home. That place is going to be crazy. I think the Titans easily cover three and a half points. I like Tennessee in this one. Moving to the late Saturday game, it is the Green Bay Packers on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field taking on the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco with the weirdest win of the weekend over the Dallas Cowboys in whatever the hell that was at the end of the game. And I think there's a blueprint in there for the Green Bay Packers to use. You have uh, Aaron Rodgers, who apparently the toe is just fine. You have a lot of these weapons that are starting to come back. And for San Francisco, things were going well when they were in front in that game. This is not a team, though, that if they fall behind, they feel comfortable being able 
to come back. And you saw once Jimmy Garoppolo started throwing a little bit more, this offense started to get a little bit sideways. He misses the throw to Ayuk. He's overthrowing receivers for an interception. He's dealing with a thumb problem and a shoulder issue. Numbing it's not going to be a problem at Lambeau, but if you've ever been sore or had something wrong with you and then it gets cold outside, like there's a sad example, but there's a reason why old dogs look older in the winter. And there's a reason why you feel older in the winter. And quite frankly, I think there's a reason why Tom Brady feels younger in Tampa Bay. It's sucks when it's cold outside. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have some trouble with the cold. He's never played in a game where the temperature has been below freezing before. Guarantee you it's going to be below freezing in Green Bay. (laughs) I think the Packers just have so many ways they can win this game. If they need to just run the clock out, they have two very good running backs who can do that. If they're down by 10 in the fourth quarter, they have one of the best passing attacks in the NFL to be able to do that. I just, San Francisco needs the game to go one specific way if they are going to win this game. I don't see it going that way. So I like the Packers covering here, minus five and a half. On to the Sunday slate. It is Tampa Bay taking on the LA Rams. The Buccaneers are favored by three after a dominant win over the Philadelphia Eagles. And I said last week that going up against Tom Brady is not a fun thing to do wagering-wise. It just, it just isn't. You know, like it was, there was no part of me that enjoyed that game on, on Sunday. And now I think I'm doing it again. The Buccaneers have had a number of injury issues, but look at how you attack the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You certainly don't do it on the ground running up the middle. If you can get any kind of running game going on them, it's to the outsides, but you attack the secondary. And I think for the Rams... They are going to be it. We just saw them attack a secondary a week ago. I think we're going to be able to see them again, push that ball down the field, really establish things on offense, and really get after it on the offensive side of the ball. And I just, with all the injuries that Tampa Bay has on the offensive side, I don't think that they are going to be able to keep up. I love the Rams in this one. I love them straight up to win this game. I certainly think they'll cover three. So uh, give me the Rams in this. I, I like them quite a bit. And then to the Sunday nighter. It is Kansas City taking on the Buffalo Bills. For the Chiefs, that was an excellent performance on Sunday night. For the Bills, that was a perfect performance on Saturday. But I think the thing that is getting missed is, while I love to hate the Steelers, that's an excellent defense that Kansas City made look real bad on Sunday evening. While the Bills beat the shit out of the Patriots and a Patriots defense that's been good all year, but hasn't been good against good teams all year. And I, it's, it's pick, it's picking hairs is not the right phrase for that at all. <laughs> Splitting hairs is the word I was looking for, but I think both these teams are very good. I think these are actually all due respect to Tennessee, who I just said people were disrespecting. I think these are the two best teams in the AFC and they might be the two best teams in football right now. They are so good. And the fact that they're meeting right now is really unfortunate. It would have been a great AFC championship game to get, but the, this is what happens when both teams have slow starts this season. I think home field advantage helps Kansas City. I think I just I feel like both teams are peaking at the right time, and I just think Kansas City is a touch better. I'm not I'm personally not going anywhere on this game. Uh, that total at 54, you could see some weird things happen with both these teams. So I'm I'm not going anywhere near this one. This is going to be a three uh, 
three game play for me this week with um with the Titans the the four or the, the Packers sorry and the Rams but if I have to make a pick I will say Kansas City I'm just going Kansas City on the money line and I know I'm not giving up a whole lot with them at minus one and a half but Kansas City on the money line uh to me is definitely the way to go but th- this is going to be just a phenomenal football slate coming up on uh Saturday afternoon toward Sunday evening. So there is your NFL breakdowns for the divisional round. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent, where X with X is where the A's would be, and you can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. The Honda Center in Anaheim, California is the site for UFC 270 on pay-per-view coming up Saturday night. Let's get right into the breakdowns. We start the night off with, uh, well, this might not be the opener. I don't have this in any particular order. But um, the first breakdown that we have here is Kay Hansen against Jasmine. I screw this up all the time. Yasservicious? Uh, Hansen, so my apologies, she's Canadian and I'm butchering the name. I feel so bad. Um, Hansen, get that one right, 22 years old, 5'3", born in California, training at 10th Planet Fullerton Classic Fight Team. 7 and uh, 4 is the record that Hansen walks into the octagon with, with her last bout coming November 14th, 2020, a unanimous decision loss to Corey McKenna. Since then, she's taken time off as she is working through an eating disorder, Uh, uh, according to various different things. Her her dad held a manipulating and toxic environment for her when she was growing up and she has been dealing with an eating disorder. And so hopefully she has come out the other side of this now as just someone who is ready to, to kind of start another chapter in her life. The, the fact that she was as successful as she was as a martial artist while dealing with some of these things is, I, I can't even begin to imagine. So we, we will see on Potentially a new version of this 22-year-old Kay Hansen coming out on Saturday night. She is 1-1 one one inside the UFC's octagon after a 5-3 and three run in Evicta, and she's a pro since 2017. Jasmine is 32 years old, 5'7", born in St. Catharines, Ontario, trading out of Niagara top team. 6-1 is the record with three stoppages in there for the victories. One, de- uh, three decisions as well, one of those coming on September 14th of 2021 on Dana White's Contender Series, where she... She picked up a win. She now has back-to-back wins after spending some time in Cage Fury. She's been a pro since 2019. And it feels like Yasmin is the one who is being set up for success in this bout. But I do think that, I mean, again, we don't know what type of performance we are going to get out of Hansen after what she has had to go through. She is the heavy, heavy favorite coming into this fight. So maybe... Maybe I'm looking too much into young prospect coming off of Dana White's contender series. I'm going to go with Hanson here. I I think there's a bit of unpredictability in that long layoff, but I I think that this was obviously an important layoff for her. So I think she gets the win. She's at minus 230. That might be a bit rich for my blood, though. The next fight is Matt Frivola taking on Gennaro Valdez. Frivola coming in at a minus 200 favorite. You can get Valdez at plus 130. 
60. Frivola, 31 years old, 5'9", with a 71-inch reach, born in New York, trains as Sarah Longo. I apologize for the bad New York accent. 8-3-1 is the record, one knockout, three submission wins. He's also been knocked out twice. One of those times coming in seven seconds at UFC 263. And we previewed that fight card here on Couch Potato Diary. This dude just needs a regular fight prep. And it looks like he's finally got one. That fight uh, at UFC 263 was his second fight since October of 2019. He had a fight called off when COVID first shut things down, then lost the fight to an injury, then had his UFC 257 fight changed when his opponent left the COVID safety zone, then the replacement missed weight, and then at UFC 263, his scheduled opponent, Frank Camacho, got into a car crash during the fight, so then promotional newcomer Terrence McKinney comes in and brains the dude in seven seconds. It seems like this fight week has just gone normally. I didn't watch the weigh-ins this morning. I'm assuming Valdez didn't spontaneously combust on the scale, so th this should still be a go. Um, Frivola has been in the UFC since 2018. He is also an alumni of Dana White's Contender Series and a World Series of Fighting alum outside of the cage. He's a lieutenant in the U.S. Army Reserve and has a bachelor's degree in criminology. Valdez is 30 years old. At 5'10", he trains at Entram Gym, born in Tijuana, Mexico, with a perfect 10-0 record coming into this one, coming off of a second-round knockout victory over Patrick White on Dana White's Contender Series back in October of 2021. This fight is his UFC debut. Um, that fight was the first of three that needed the second round. So this guy has been knocking fools out lately. Uh, the last two fights has been before the Dana White's Contender Series were in the Lux Fight League. He has been a pro since 2016. This is not someone who has spent a lot of time waiting for judges' scorecards. In fact, none time. All 10 of his victories have come by way of stoppage. And like we said before, it took him a bit to even get to the second round. But I, th I like Frivola as a fighter quite a bit. I think that... Is this ever going to be someone who we're talking about uh, on a UFC championship level? I don't think so. I don't think we're ever even going to get like a UFC countdown special featuring this dude on it. But he is better than second fight on the fight pass prelims. He he is he is above that level. I think he gets the job done here. Uh, I, I would even look at uh, potential, if you wanted to, to prop this one up, I would even look at a potential decision victory here for Frivola. Four finishes out of eight wins, but I, I feel like Valdez is someone who's going to try to explode early and maybe kind of fade a, a little bit late in this fight. Uh, up next in the women's strawweight division, it is Silvana Gomez Juarez taking on Vanessa Demopoulos. You have Demopoulos coming in at a minus 140 favorite, taking on Gomez uh, Juarez at plus 115. For the underdog, Juarez, 37 years old, 5'3", born in Argentina, also trains at Entram Gym. 10-3 is the record, has 8 stoppages in those 10 wins, has been stopped twice in the 3 losses, including her last bout, October 9th, 2021, on a fight night card against Lupita Godinez. Uh, that was her UFC debut. It ended a three-fight winning streak. She has also fought in KSW and Combate Americas and has been a pro since 2010. So certainly someone who has been around 
over the last little bit and and now has finally made her way to the UFC's octagon. She will be taking on Vanessa Demopoulos, little monster born in Columbus, Ohio, comes in with a record of 6 and 4. She is 30 years old, standing at 5 foot 6, training at the Ronin Training Center. Four finishes of her six wins, and she has never been finished on the other side of that. Her last fight against J.J. Aldridge back in August of 2021, a unanimous decision loss for her UFC debut after a rather long and relatively successful run in LFA. She'll be looking to bounce back Saturday night against, again, the underdog Juarez. I think that there's a live dog in this one. Um... Juarez coming off of a, a difficult defeat, but someone who has been on a bit of a couple of fighters, actually, who entered the octagon on a bit of a roll, but had stumbles in the, their first fights. I, I like the underdog in this fight. I'll go Juarez for the upset at plus 115. In the next bout, in the bantamweight division, it is Tony Gravely taking on Simone Oliveira. Uh, you have Gravely coming in as a heavy favorite at minus 250. Oliveira is at plus 195. Uh, heading into this bout for Gravely, 30 years old, five foot five, born in Martinsville, Virginia. This fight in the bantamweight division. I've been kind of leaving that out. I apologize. Uh, he trains at American Top Team. Gravely, 21 and seven for the career, with 12 of those victories coming by way of stoppage. He has been submitted, although uh, five times in seven defeats. He was also knocked out once. That came on the Ultimate Fight Night card in 2021 on September 18th against Nate Manis. That ended a two-fight winning streak. You have Gravely, who is 2-2 two two in the UFC after a win on Dana White's Contender Series. 11 of his last 12 fights have been finished. He is a former CES MMA bantamweight champion, as well as a King of the Cage bantamweight champion. A purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a black belt in Taekwondo. Gravely has been a pro since 2015. Oliveira, 30 years old, 5'8", born in Brazil. He trains out of Astra Fight Team. 18-3 and three for the record five wins by knockout 11 by submission all three losses needed the judges to tell him that he was on the wrong side of it his last bout came on Dana White's contender series back on September 7th 2021 against Jose Alde a five fight win streak for Oliveira the December fight is the last um or the sorry the decision in his last fight is the only one he didn't win by first round submission he has eight guillotine chokes to his name. He has fought in Pancrase, ACB, and this one maybe not as well known, but I like the name. Uh, Sicario MMA. Oliveira has been a pro since 2013. He comes in as a pretty heavy underdog in this bout. Admittedly, don't know a ton about either guy from a, a fighting style standpoint, but you see someone who is that skilled on the ground going up against someone who has had some not great times on the ground. I think that maybe could be a bit of a live dog here. I wouldn't put any money on either side of this one, but I will call Oliveira a live dog in this bout. Moving to our next match, it is, or fight, uh, Jake Della Madalena taking on Pete Rodriguez in the welterweight division. The odds for this fight, uh, you have Madalena coming in at a minus 350 favorite, while Rodriguez is the dog at plus 265. For Della, 25 years old, born in Perth in Western Australia, training out of scrappy MMA, comes into the octagon with a 10-2 record, having finished nine 
of his 10 wins and has been stopped in both of his losses. Uh, his last fight, his only decision victory coming on September 14th on Dana White's Contender Series. A 10-fight win streak after losing his first two pro fights. Uh, as mentioned before, that last one was his first pro one. But not someone who's had a ton of cage time for someone who is a developing mixed martial artist. At 25 years old, one fight in 2021, two in 2020, one in 2019. You hear a lot of fighters say they want to get three in a year. He's getting a fight on the second card of the year for 2022, so hopefully a year where we can see a little bit more progression from this prospect. For Rodriguez, 25 years old, born in Tucson, Arizona, he comes into the cage with a 4-0 record. It is his UFC debut after a first-round knockout win at IFF7. Uh, in four fights, he has been in the cage for four minutes and 37 seconds. So obviously, an explosive young prospect, but I, I think Madalena gets the job done here, and this is someone who I just want to see more in the progression of this fighter as the, the year goes on. I just want to see him fight a little bit more. To the welterweight division, Michael Morales taking on Trevin Giles. Uh, Giles is 29 years old, training at War Trading Center, born in San Antonio, Texas. Coming into the octagon with a 14-3 record. Six wins by knockout, five wins by submission. One of his knockout losses, his only knockout loss, in fact, coming back at UFC 264, where he was knocked out in the second round, ending a three-fight winning streak after a two-fight losing streak that saw him get tapped out both times. So he is 4-3 in the UFC, a pro since 2014. Outside of the octagon, he is a police officer. Morales is 21 years old, six foot three, born in Ecuador. He comes in with a perfect 12-0 record with nine knockouts and one submission win in those 12. One of the decision wins was in his last bout on September 21st's Dana White's Contender Series, a unanimous decision win, which ended a run of eight straight finishes. He has been a pro since 2017. So obviously someone rather excited to see uh, him step into the cage. This is essentially a pick'em with Morales at minus 120 and Giles at minus 105. I will go with the favorite here and I will say Morales. In the featherweight division, it is Ilya Tapuria taking on Charles Jordan. Tapuria, 24 years old, 5'7", born in Germany with a perfect 11-0 record. Three knockouts, seven submission wins. His last fight came at UFC 264, a knockout victory over Ryan Hall at 447 of the first round. Back-to-back -back first round finishes for him, although that was his only fight in 2021. Uh, he fought in Cage Warriors and Brave FC as well. He's been a pro since 2015. For Jordan, 26 years old, born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. At 5'9", he trains at Academy Pro Star MMA. I'm sure there's a French accent in there. 12-4-1, and one, 8 wins by knockout, 3 by submission. He has one unanimous decision win. That was in his last bout on the Ultimate Fight Night card just a month ago on December 21st against Andre Ewell. He is 3-3-1 in the UFC and will be making the walk to the octagon for the first time on a pay-per-view card. He is a former two-division champion in TKO, winning that promotion's featherweight and lightweight championships. You gotta go with the Canadian on this one. I I'm going to go with uh, Jordan. He is a heavy underdog going into this bout. Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna, I picked against the Canadian in the last one. I'm gonna go with the Canadian on this one. Uh, I, I, he probably gets absolutely blasted, but we'll go with a little bit of Canadian love. Why not? We're not keeping track on this one. Uh, we probably should be though. 
Um, bantamweight division. It is Raoni Barso, uh, Barcelos taking on Victor Henry Barcelos, 34 years old, at five foot seven, born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. He is 16 and two with 10 wins coming by way of stoppage. His last bout was back in June of 2021, a majority decision loss that ended a nine-fight win streak, including a fight with Said Nurmagomedov, who we're going to see a little bit later on this card. Last three fights have gone to the judges' scorecards. He's 5-1 and one in the UFC, 3-1 and one in bantamweight. He is a former RFA featherweight champion and a pro since 2012. He takes on Henry, also 34 years old. At 5'7", he will be fighting just a ways away from his hometown of Los Angeles, California, training at UWF USA. 21-5 and five is the record for Henry. Six wins by knockout, eight wins by submission. He is coming off of a second-round submission win over Albert Morales, Back at LXF6 on October 30th, 2021. That was a bounce back from a loss that ended an eight-fight win streak. Henry will be making his UFC debut after fighting in Deep, Ryzen, Pancrase, and King of the Cage, and has been a pro since 2010. So a couple of veterans of the sport stepping into the octagon on Saturday. The odds for this bout have uh, Barcelos as the heavy favorite at minus 525, and I would tend to agree with them. It's great that Henry is getting his UFC debut, but Barcelos feels like he's on the cusp of some rather important fights in his career. So I, I think Barcelos gets uh, the important win in this bout. Uh, and now news coming down as we're recording. Oh, it came out earlier today. My apologies. Uh, but the Rodolfo Vieira against Wellington Truman fight is off of UFC 270. Uh, Vieira forced out due to undisclosed reasons. So that fight will not be happening. Uh, so that's why the odds were scratched out, which makes complete sense. So we will move on. Bantamweight division, 15th ranked Cody Stamen taking on Said Nurmagomedov. Stamen, 32 years old, born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, training at Extreme Couture. He stands at 5'6". 19-4-1 is the record with eight finishes to his name. He's coming off of a unanimous decision loss against Marab Dvalishvili back on May 1st, 2021. It's back-to-back -back losses for him, 2-2-1 two, two, and one in his last five with all of those going to decision. His last stoppage win was his last fight before entering the UFC's octagon. He is 5-3-1 in the UFC. He's a pro since 2011, was a Division II wrestler, also a pro boxer, where he went 0-1, and a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu blue belt. He's been a pro since 2011. Nurmagomedov, no relation. 29 years old, born in Dagestan, 5'8", trains at Dag Fighter, 14-2 for the career, with four wins coming by knockout, three by submission, his two losses, both requiring the judges' scorecards. His last fight came on October 20, uh, October sorry, 18th, 2020. A first round knockout victory of Mark Striegel. He's won eight of his last nine. He's three and one in the UFC with two finishes. He had his last fight canceled because of visa issues, so that is why he is stepping back into the octagon after a layoff of more than. A year. Uh, the odds for this bout: Stamen is the underdog at plus one fifty nine. Nurmagomedov is the favorite at minus two hundred, and I would tend to agree with those. I, I think that fifteenth ranked, um, that fifteen ranking on Stamen is rather fraudulent, actually. And, and I think Nurmagomedov, again, no relation to the the most famous one, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Uh, but I, I still think that Dagestan style is going to be able to bull rush Stamen here out of the top 15, and Nurmagomedov picks up one of the, the bigger wins of his career. I could even see Nurmagomedov getting some type of a finish 
in this bout. Um, and just quickly looking here by TKO or disqualification, uh, which is a weird one to put on that. Uh, Nurmagomedov gets a plus 425. So that would be an interesting one if you wanted to sprinkle a bit of a prop there for Nurmagomedov. Uh, Michel Pereira taking on Andre Fialo in the welterweight division. Pereira, 28 years old, born in Brazil. He is six foot one, comes in with a record of 26 and 11 with two no contests. 17 finishes to his name um, in the win column. His last fight, a unanimous decision against Nico Price. He is on a three fight winning streak with all three going to the third round. Two of those are decisions. Four and two in the UFC's octagon, a pro since 2011, and a BJJ black belt. Taking on Fialo, 27 years old, born in Portugal. He stands at six feet tall, training at Sanford MMA. 14 and three is the record with one no contest. He has 12 finishes to his name. His last bout came at UAE Warriors 24, a knockout victory in that bout. He has a four fight winning streak to head into his UFC debut, including a win over UFC veteran James Vick. He was also four and one in the Bellator cage has been a pro since 2014. You have Pereira, who, in my opinion, has not quite reached the levels that some thought he might be able to reach inside the octagon. He does seem to have a renewed focus, though, which is why I like him as the favorite in this bout at minus 285 against Fialo's plus 225. I think Fialo, I'm saying it a lot on the show, he's a live dog. There is an opportunity for him to pick up a win in this fight if Pereira doesn't really have the focus, but we have seen Pereira just be a a little bit more on his game in the last couple of fights. And I think you'll see that again here on Saturday night. And that brings us to our two title fights. Brandon Moreno, the champion, going up against the number one contender and former champion, Davison Figueredo for the flyweight championship of the world. Figueredo is 33 years old, born in Brazil, training at Team Figueredo, but he has also done some work now with Henry Cejudo. We'll get to that in a second. Figueredo steps into the octagon with a 22-1 record with his last fight, both of these men's last fight at UFC 263. Moreno getting the, debe- uh, the better of this one with a submission win in the third round. That ended a six-fight unbeaten streak for Figueredo. That was a rematch from a majority draw back on uh, UFC 256, which won fight of the year from some publications. That was his first fight that he didn't finish since 2019 and his uh, third title defense. He won fighter of the year from many publications in 2020. He's been in the UFC since 2017 with uh, a pretty impressive record in the octagon at 9-1-1. For Moreno, you know the story by now, the first ever Mexican-born champion in the UFC out of Tijuana, Mexico. He's 28 years old, 19-5-2 with three knockouts, 10 submission wins, all five of his losses have required the judges scorecards obviously his last bout obviously UFC 263 a submission win over Davison Figueredo he is 4-0-2 since a return to the UFC in 2019 former LFA champion he's a tough alum he has been released by the company and then brought back and is now on the run of a lifetime and the two fights for the these two I have put more of the emphasis on what Figueredo didn't do than what Moreno did do. And now you start to get the wondering, is it not what Figueredo didn't do or is it what Figueredo can't do? He is obviously the senior of this bout at 33 years old, so not super old, but he has certainly been someone who has taken some damage in his time and has fought a very pressured style. We didn't see that from him in the bouts against Moreno. I thought 
in the first bout, we saw that pressure, but then he very much started to fade as that fight went on. In the second fight, it's like he was trying to save it up, but he was saving it up for a moment that never came. And it just, none of that felt like a Davison Figueredo fight. If, and this is a big if, if Figueredo can get back to his 2019 form, then this is someone who can still be the flyweight champion of the world. The problem is we have now gone eight rounds against this dude and haven't seen that once. I have those concerns. Another thing that concerned me, you watch the countdown special, it was the excuse making. It wasn't, these are things that I did wrong. It was, oh, well, we're starting a new gym and I'm dealing with all these employees and I'm training while there's renovations going on, which could very well be legitimate reasons for, for this to not work. But it, it just came across as excuse making. I do think Henry Cejudo, um, to, to help focus him and train him and kind of humble him a little bit, is an interesting wrinkle thrown into this fight. And uh, again, if this were a video game and you get Figueredo at the peak of his powers, Figueredo is winning this fight. But I, I just don't know if we have that in him anymore. I think Brandon Moreno is able to get the job done with a victory in this fight. I, I think it probably goes all five rounds, but Moreno comes in as the minus 185 favorite. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the main event of the evening for the UFC's undisputed heavyweight championship of the world, Francis Ngannou, the champion, comes into the octagon facing Cyril Gaon, the interim champion. Ngannou, 35 years old, born in Cameroon, now residing in Las Vegas, Nevada, training at Extreme Couture. He is 16-3 as a pro with 12 wins by knockout. All three of his decisions, or all three of his losses, sorry, coming by way of decision. He is the betting underdog in this fight at plus 125. His last fight was when he won the heavyweight championship of the world, beating Stipe Miocic with a second round knockout at UFC 260. He is on a five-fight win streak. He has stopped them all. He's been in the cage for about what was it, 8 minutes and 47 seconds we had the stat the other day. Um, the, the the dude is an absolute monster. He is 11-2 inside the UFC. This, because of contract issues, could be his last fight. One fight in 2021, one fight in 2020, two in 2019. He is the first UFC champion born in Cameroon. For Cyril Gaon, he is certainly on the rise. 31 years old, born in Paris, France. At 6'4", he trains at the MMA factory, which is Ngannou's former gym. He has a perfect record of 10-0. Four wins by knockout, three by submission. His last fight, a TKO victory over Derek Lewis, where he claimed the interim championship back at UFC 265. This is finishing off a three-win 2021 with victories over Jarzinho Rosenstruck and Alexander Volkov. 7-0 in the UFC with four finishes. He's been with the company since 2019, a pro since 2018. He was also 13-0 as a Muay Thai fighter. We went into some of the specifics on Francis Ngannou's situation with the UFC on Wednesday's show. But just to recap, this was someone who was supposed to be the next big thing. And it's, it's an amazing story when you think about it. Uh, someone who grew up in poverty in Cameroon, went to Paris to try to find uh, a better life, was homeless, was discovered by um, the, the, the owner and runner of MMA Factory, and turned him into one of the most dangerous mixed martial artists of all time. Um, but 
Nganu hits a bit of a roadblock as he is being billed as the next Mike Tyson. At that point, he decides that he needs a little bit more training and a little bit more seasoning than what he is getting in Paris, France. So he moves to Vegas. The UFC seems to be a little bit frustrated with him. They do not give him what, what I would deem to be appropriate matchmaking for someone who you are looking to build up as a champion and look and someone that you are looking to build up as a star. He gets to that star making point anyway because he is just an absolute superhero and ends up winning the heavyweight championship. Since then, it has been nothing but criticism for the Ultimate Fighting Cha- or from the Ultimate Fighting Championship, calling him a diva, calling him difficult to work with, saying his demands are too much even though the promotion only shares 16% of its revenues with the actual fighters of this sport. And so now you have the interesting dynamic that he is stepping into the octagon in what would be potentially the final fight on his contract if he were to lose this fight. If he is to win it, there is a champion's clause that means it extends beyond this bout. And then you have the added layer that his potential replacement atop the UFC's heavyweight division is also his replacement at his old gym, the MMA factory. These two trained together quite a bit. They, I, I, I think to say they were former friends would be a bit of a stretch, but I don't know them personally, so I, I can't necessarily speak to that. But you have so many interesting dynamics going just into this fight, and then the fight itself. It is clear Cyril Gaon is one of the most technically sound heavyweights we have ever seen in the UFC, certainly when it comes to striking. It, it, it is picture perfect. He has the cardio. Uh, it was brought up on Morning Combat this week. How many heavyweight title fights have we had where both dudes had abs? We, we just like, the, the level that it takes to be a high-level heavyweight mixed martial artist has not always been high, but these two are raising the bar. And Gaon seems to have raised it technically another level. But to suggest that this is just technical striker against wild, crazy knockout artist would be incorrect. The Francis Ngannou that we saw at UFC 260 with a measured approach and a smart game plan, also an ability to stop the takedown, get a takedown of his own, and have success in the offensive department on the ground, if that Francis Ngannou shows up into the UFC's octagon, there is not a human being and some buildings on this earth that are stopping Francis Ngannou. I think that people are overlooking him way too easily, and I also think this is someone who has had a pretty lengthy layoff, and every time we have seen him step away from the octagon and have these layoffs, like we said, one fight in 2020, one fight in 2021. He has improved exponentially on the uh, on that path. The narrative that is being crafted is this is someone who has let the fame and celebrity of being the heavyweight champion of the world get to his head when he was just going to celebrate in Cameroon. It was so interesting to watch how differently it was portrayed on the, the UFC countdown show. Nganu, going back to his home country to celebrate a heavyweight championship win in Cameroon, is being viewed as, oh, you want to take all these trips around the world and you want to be the hotshot champion? While Moreno, who is making his trips to Mexico, a market that the UFC wants to get into, and also Moreno, not someone who is kind of calling the UFC out for their bullshit, that is a celebration. And look at the star growing the sport in Mexico. It was so obvious, it was disgusting. But I digress. The narrative that is being crafted around Francis Ngannou right now that the UFC is trying to get out there is this is a fighter who 
has taken too much time off, a fighter who has let the celebrity of being the heavyweight champion get to his head, and someone who is not focused on the dangerous up-and-comer that will be standing across the octagon from him Saturday night in Anaheim, California. I can't begin... Extreme Couture has had their flaws over the years. Lack of focus for these guys has never been a thing for an Extreme Couture fighter. I don't believe it's going to be that way on Saturday night. I think Nganu gets the win. I think he gets the, the knockout victory, and I think that is going to lead to a remarkable contract situation coming up um, coming out of this fight. And look, Cyril Gaon is going to be someone who probably has a heavyweight championship belt around his waist at some point in his career. I just don't think it's going to be happening on the 22nd of January. Uh, if you're looking for a prop, Nganu by knockout is plus 165 instead of just to win, which is at plus 125. I like the heavyweight champion here, Francis Nganu, to get the win Saturday night in Anaheim, California. That is going to do it for the show today. Uh, again, Clearwater Cleaning Solutions has a competition running until January 31st. They need a name for their new mascot and they want your help. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and help name their mascot by commenting on their post. The winning name will win a free residential cleaning. Thank you to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions for being the studio sponsor for Couch Potato Diary. And thank you to you for tuning in today. Again, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. We're really trying to grow this thing um, and trying to grow it rather rapidly. So if you could, that would be great. Shout out um, shout out the show on Twitter and Instagram. I am at PrimetimeKlein. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK is where we are going to be Saturday night once the UFC card is done. We'll be playing some video games and talking about all the fights that went down on Saturday night. So thank you all so, so, so much for supporting the show. And I will talk to you, I guess, tomorrow night when we watch the UFC, uh, two, UFC 270 on pay-per-view. Have a good weekend, everyone. I'm out.